Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. Dr. Supercoach Podcast, proudly sponsored by our partners at Code Sports. On with me this evening to talk all things round 20 and a wrap-up. It is Pistol, mate. It, uh, it always seems to be you and me or you and JB on a podcast. I, I feel like there's a couple duos there that just don't work out. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, look, there's only I one think, other geo. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been on. I think I've been on every Monday podcast for the entire season. Yeah, wow. So, wow, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I've it's not like you're even busy now. on a Monday either. No, never. Um, <laughs> I save it specifically for this. But this was a very interesting Supercoach Week, Chizo. There was some big movements on the the rankings boards. I see your team had a monster week. Speaking of big movements, Pistol, I had my largest score I've ever had in Supercoach at 2735, uh, ranked, uh, still only ranked 444th for the round, but I finally cracked the top 1K after being tantalizingly close between 1 and 2K for the last nine consecutive weeks. I'm now into wow. 844. Um, so very, very happy. I still have no trades. So I haven't magically found any more in the, the last fortnight. Um but still just ticking along closely, uh, slowly, and uh, I just uh, hoping that there's some some good favour for me over the next couple of weeks to kind of consolidate if that's possible, mate. What about yourself? Well, I, I'm just laughing because my, my trashy team, which I've been complaining about for every Monday podcast for the, rest, for the entire season, <laughs> last week when Laird was out, I had like Banks84 come on and I, I moved up from like, 3k to 2.6k and then this week i had wagoners 110 come on field for walsh being out so i'm just getting by on like the biggest rookie fluke scores that you can possibly imagine um especially when my bench when i kept wardlaw as my cover my bench was at one stage zero playing players and now i'm having the choice between like one or two players and they're putting up big scores <laughs> So I, I'm now into 2,064th. Like I'm, I'm up to 2K, which is crazy because my team is not good. Um, so somehow just hovering on, I keep waiting for it to collapse. And now I feel like now I'm getting my hopes up a little bit that it's just yeah, going to Yeah, that's stay. the worst part when you <sighs> get your hopes up. It's going to go so badly for me towards the end of the season. Then I'm going to be upset when I was so accepting of it for the last five rounds. Now my hopes are back up because I've, I've moved up <laughs> a thousand spots in the last two weeks. And now I'm like, what if I finish top 1K? Like, yeah. Oh, no. It's going to be it's I, going to end in, in tragedy. I can see it. Speaking of uh, ending in tragedy, I had a matchup to make finals in in one of my bigger leagues that I'm like, – one, one of the leagues I, I, I care about more. Um, and I lost to a 27-37, so I lost by two points. Um, I needed a 110 from Steele to draw in the final game, and he finished on 108, so that was absolutely disastrous. Um, and missed out on finals. Like, they, they literally, the, the person, uh, Dirty Dev, beat me. He came eighth, literally one game separated in points on the table. So it was literally a handball or a kick away from which one of us were going to make finals. Um, so yeah, you got to take the good with the bad pistol. And uh, I got a funny one, Cheezo, go, in one of go, my go. leagues. I finished with a positive win loss record. Yep. And I came 11th. I didn't even come 9th. <laughs> I came 11th. Is that one that I'm in? Yeah. 
like if nearly every single person in the entire league except for two <laughs> people were like on the same amount of points essentially we're all within Damn. we're all within two, two literally second last to second is within two games so yeah i came 11th yeah. with a positive win record i don't know how this even happened just last place got destroyed and gave wins out to everybody else i guess but yeah Crazy league to not make finals in. That's kind of depressing. You came second in that league, by the way. So oh, did I? Well, okay, well great. Done. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah, just just another casual year for Cheese. Um, mate, I do want to start off with the uh, the big news uh, is that Buddy announced his retirement today. And I thought we should just share our favourite Buddy moments, and I'll start with mine. Um, he's obviously been a fantastic player, been around uh, a long time, kicked over a thousand goals. But the, the moment I'm going to remember him most for is uh, watching the video of you running onto the field when he, he kicked his thousandth and you pulling your groin because it was the first time you'd gone above a canter in uh, the last six years and just seeing everyone around you celebrating and you put like, ah, 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 in the background was just, um, I, I'm never going to forget buddy for that. He gave me one of the most joyous experiences I'll ever have. Firstly, that's not true. It was my hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's get that straight. Not the groin injury. Wait, was it a um, was it a, was it a a Clary hamstring or a Josh Kelly hamstring? Where we know a definitive timeline. No, no, no. It, it, it was a, a Josh Kelly hammy, not not a Clary. I'm all, I'm all I'm all back. I haven't run since, but I assume <laughs> I'm better by now. It's been nearly the whole season. <laughs> yes, last time I'll ever run. Um, that's a good question, though. I have a couple of really fun – well, not fun because most of the time my team was on the receiving end yeah. – um, buddy moments. I think he kicked a goal in a – I think it was a prelim final in the pocket against Collingwood and it put them in front before, if memory serves me correct, was it, was it Luke Ball or, or Taylor Adams? One of them did a snap to put us back in front and we won. But where Buddy kicked that dribbler from in the pocket – I was like in the front row of the pocket and it was just like this devastating moment. But then we kicked a goal and we won down the other end and it, it was great. That was a moment I'll remember forever, except I won't remember who kicked the goal clearly. Um, the the whole buddy jumping in the middle of the center circle and kicking, you know, a 70-meter bomb, something special. Um, what about the, the push-off from, was it Jake Carlisle, like breakaway? kicking it from like 50 on one of his many, many bags of goals against Jay Carla. Um, geez, I think that one was pretty good. And obviously the thousandth game was like yeah. probably the highlight of my, sorry, thousandth goal was probably like the highlight of my <laughs> football experience of all time. So was, Is Boomahami still going? That's what I thought there for a second. <laughs> yeah, thousand games. No, no, thousand goal. That was that was probably my favorite sporting moment, just to be part of the history. And yeah, I mean, Buddy's been such an amazing player for so many different reasons, um, not just you know talents, talent, field, indigenous um, um, links and leaders. Like it's just been a fantastic career, and he's brought so much mm. passion to Sydney, where I now currently reside. And you pretty much talk to anyone on the street, and they don't know what football is, but they know who Buddy is. And I think yeah. that goes to show how much of an impact he's made. Like, I wish I was joking. It's it's pretty much they only turn up to to cheer for Buddy. Like, it's that much yeah. of an impact in Sydney. Um, where if you said to someone, you know, name five players, most of them can't, but they'll name you Buddy Franklin. So yeah, it's it's very cool what he's done, and uh, we'll we'll forever be grateful. I think 
yeah the the being serious the like you're gonna have memories of like being at the thousandth goal and stuff like that but the the one that sticks in my mind is like a core memory of mine for whatever reason was that goal in 2007 I think it was the year before they won the grand final against Adelaide he was like uh, on a forward flank maybe 50 55 meters out and slotted it like really late in the fourth that for whatever reason that's a core memory of mine that I just remember watching it in my bedroom <laughs> and um, no, great that's that, that's one of my favorite favorite buddy moments but yeah that's that, that really nice to, to kind of reminisce on that pistol like um obviously has been a mad super coach player for us for a number of years in there in the the teens or like 2010 to 2020 yeah. era so um yeah it's going to uh, going to be interesting um if we see another player sort of his game style uh, the that it almost was I don't know if I'm getting out of my my kind of lane here, Pistol, but like it, he sort of was like ahead of his time as like that super mobile, long-kicking kind of forward where previous to that I was just used to like remember football just like being bombed on forwards' heads. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's still not many. There's, it's hard to have that all those different skills. I mean, he wasn't yeah. like a fantastic contested mark. It was no. all his explosiveness to get marks on the lead most of on the time. On the lead, or- yeah. Yeah, taking it from fifty and charging into the fifty and just kick or kicking it from outside fifty. Yeah, um, there hasn't been a player like him in the but like before him, <laughs> pretty much, and and there hasn't really been one since. So, um, yeah, interesting to see <laughs> one since. Holds. There hasn't been a single game since since he's retired, mate. Um, we do <laughs> no, get but like since he even like started playing. Everyone yeah, says, yeah, 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 "Oh, yeah. like this person's going to be like Buddy," but no one's been like Buddy. Literally yeah, none. Exactly. Yep. Um, uh, you're you're an interesting fella when it comes to data. You like some data. I saw a, a post on Twitter where they standardised the goals per era based on how many goals are kicked on average per year, and um, it puts him as like the most most prolific goal scorer if if we use that standardised and totally accurate test. So I, I actually found that super. That interesting. is cool. Yeah. Because um, obviously they were kicking 250 goals a season back in the. 19 somethings. Um, uh, the Dr. Supercoach Cup pistol, 16 coaches remain. We both remain. We, I'm going for my second cup, mate. It's uh, You're in the officially in the quarters, mate, for the first time. You're getting shaky knees. I don't think I've made it past the second round before. So <laughs> this is very exciting, especially that I've I've had my worst team in the last couple of years and I've made it the furthest. I don't know if it's good yeah. fortune or the other opponents falling over or a bit of both, but I, I definitely run my course. I can't see me making it through one more week, but who knows what's what the future holds. It's been a strange and season. There were some murmurs amongst the slackers that after I won in 2021 that I had rigged the draw. So for the last two seasons, I've had no input on the actual draw that comes out. That's all JB and Pistol. Um, so now I'm getting suspicious of you, mate, because your team is trash and I'm wondering <laughs> I haven't how done you're the in the draw. last 16. <laughs> I didn't do the draw. That's uh, that's all JB's baby and he gave himself the hardest draw out of everybody. Yeah. So <laughs> suck it. Yeah, he came up against uh, against Denny, who was like 50th at the time. Um, and uh, we got some donations uh, there, Pistol, as well. We do. Um, to Chewy, he says, tough first season back in the game for me. 
ongoing forced primo injury trades and not starting two of the best scorers have left my side in quicksand compounded by all my plan cover falling victim to injury and being left with one trade 200k and too many holes to fill only small donation to cover my round 19 donut bring on 2024 thanks very much chewy hopefully next year we get you on board to start you know the two highest scorers in the game um adam t Donate says a $10 CC bet with Jordan in cricket chat on the opening partnership for Australia in this last Ashes innings. 100 plus partnership for Warner, and you're going to have to go for it. Jeez, I don't know how to pronounce any of the cricket players' names. Is it Kawaja? Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Nice. So $10 are more than happy to part with. Thanks for the great pod and community season. Thanks, Adam. And Clayton's donated again but hasn't written anything. But thank you very much for your mysterious donation, Clayton. It's very much appreciated. <laughs> and we've just cracked $28,000 in total Um total Unreal. raised for the Cancer Council too. And we couldn't have done it without all our lovely listeners that do um, – open up their wallets to raise money for cancer and support a good cause as well. So we thank you all so much for that. Pistol, I do have a, a question off the top. We've had a lovely Ben write in with a question. He says, hi, JB. Hope you're well, mate. Loved your content this year. Hey, any chance you could discuss the best defensive and forward options for under 530K this week? Cheers, Ben. Thanks for writing in, Ben. Um, we are a little bit disappointed that it only went to JB. Um, and he sort of rubbed our face in, in that just a little bit um, to, to know that you were his favourite. But I'm going to throw to uh, Pistol, who's got some players in the forward and defence under 5.30 for you. Yeah, it's just, it's pretty much going to be the same as, as last week, I think. I think it's still Sam Flanders. Uh, I know his role went a little bit backwards in terms of CBAs. I mean, uh, Took Miller ended up getting, well, one, he was phenomenal like best on ground, but he was Mm. also getting 84% um, CBAs, which was his highest since round two. Um, And Flanders dropped back to to 32% CBAs, but he had 32 touches, Jesus. The man is in a hell of a purple patch at the moment, like unbelievable. And I know that there's some other players that are in good purple patches, and Sayawangani Malera is also in a really good purple patch. Um, I think they're the two guys that are scoring more than their price stat. There's other guys that, you know, we spoke about Brayshaw last week um, in that he can just kind of average what his price stat. But if you want to try and take advantage of some guys going bonkers, um, they're the ones I would try and capitalize on, I think. If so, yeah, as a, a defender option and as a forward option, now you have both. What about someone like um, McRae? He hasn't had much of a mention this year just because his output has just been a little bit doo-doo compared to what we expect from him. He's still got an average of 106 for the year, um, only a yeah. three round of 100, only a five round of 100. Um, it seems like the sort of output that we're just going to get from him is just sort of that flat time 105 part. And you're thinking with Flanders, he's clearly got upwards of that if he continues that role. Yeah, I think McRae's better than Brayshaw if you're looking for like just the best two options. Yeah. I think Flanders is probably my upside pick in the forward line, a bit of that little POD. I think, you know, he's put out in his last five games, three of them above 113. So he's got, you know, a, a quite a nice um, ceiling over there. I think McRae is like a really safe pick. Even in his bad games, he puts out 90s. 
Um, he just doesn't strike me as the sort of guy that's going to go, you know, multi, well, any any massive game for the rest of the season. I know the fixtures look nice, but it's more about the role, right? If he's getting almost no CBAs, it's really hard to score, even if even if you are you know the best player. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's it's too sporadic, you know. He he went zero CBAs, zero CBAs, thirty percent CBAs, fifty two percent. Um, but we've seen it before where he's at zero and then jumps up the next week. So yeah, yeah, it's too hard to tell. What do you reckon you can kill two birds with one stone? Like a lot of us are owning Darcy Cameron right now for mainly yeah. the flexibility, but he's got that hundred average, um, one hundred two in his last five, one fourteen in his last three. Potentially, if Ben didn't have that sort of cover already built in, that could be two birds one stone scenario. Or it, you just see the upside of Flanders being just that much better. No, sorry. I just assumed everyone had Darcy Cameron because we've been going on about it for, for so long. It's only 15% yes. of teams, mate. No, no. Last week we were like, yeah, get get Darcy Cameron as the forward option. He's got that DPP as well. So um, that's super valuable, spe- specifically if you have Marshall who's – I'm not saying any doubts. He looks really good when he's playing, but the coach is talking about how he's sore. Um, I just think, yeah, Darcy Cameron's numero uno – Numero uno um, yep. option. Um, I said umo. I'm like, yeah, that? Um, yeah. He's he's the best option for the remainder of the season, and he's got a good draw. Like Hawthorne, which isn't the best, but Geelong would yeah, Meek, is out. Uh, Big O, Meek and Reeves kill out. kill Ruckman, but the the last three are going to be great. So I'm not sure if Essendon yeah. have Draper back by around 24, but you got Nick Bryan. Whoever uh, Ruckman, um, Brisbane have, I'm having a mind blank. And then well, Geelong. Big O might be injured, so. Yeah, Big O. Sure. Um, notoriously, Geelong's Ruckman have been um, notorious at letting their opponents score on them. So, um, could potentially be three big scores there out of the yeah. four as well. So He looks, um, he's in great form as well, though, like eye test wise. Super good. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for a, uh, a left field option, there's also uh, our best mate, Pistol, Rory Atkins as the ninth highest <laughs> round, uh, three round average of 106. <laughs> Where was That's this come outrageous. from? I held, him, outrageous. I held him during the buys expecting to have someone to like give me a helping hand. And he gave me, what did he give me? 28, 72, 66, 21, 48. And then since I've got rid of him, since I've got rid of him, 86, 112, 99, and 107. That makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I think uh, that that's that that's a pass. Let's not let's not talk about that one. I think if you want that extra POD, like Luke Jackson's not in that many teams, and number one rucks usually score all right. I don't know if he's going to have that uh, monster ceiling but depending on let's see if big o is back because he's got a, a decent ruck run himself brisbane this week we'll see what happens with their ruck they got west coast and port adelaide who give up big numbers and then finish off the year with hawthorne so there's upside in that pick as well so plenty of plenty of upside picks this yep. stage of the season you just gotta pick your poison cool uh pistol i'm gonna ask you to go to your team Switch to history and then go to trade history on the right-hand side. I've just come up with uh, th- this is live. I-, I haven't run this past you. I Thanks. want you to go through <laughs> and count how many times you traded out a premium this year. 
because uh, I'm going to start uh, start with mine. for injuries or just in general. Just just in general, I'm I'm going to name out. Uh, this is I'm going to go through mine. I'll let you go through yours in a second. These are the 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 premiums that left my side this year. So I had Sean Darcy went out in round three. I had Darcy Cameron that went out in round four. I had Doherty go out in round five. Round six was okay. Round seven was okay. Round eight was okay. And then in round nine, I lost Parrish. In round 10, Hopper's not a premium, but still annoying at that time. Then in round 11, I lost Oliver and Josh Kelly. Um, round 13, I made the choice to get rid of Jack Zeebel. And in hindsight, that has I've never been happier about something like that. Round 15, I lost Sicily. Round 17, Briggs left. And round 18, with my last trade, Green left. So that's that's a heck of a lot. How many of, is it? <laughs> uh, I wasn't wasn't counting at that point, but let's say that somewhere between you told like me to se- count. seven or eight. I want you to count yours. Um, okay. Seven or eight premium injuries this year. Like I, I think it goes without saying that um, this year has been one that I feel that the fantasy relevant players have been hit with tradable injuries a lot more and tradable suspensions and stuff that I, that I can sort of remember in, in previous years. Looking over your trade history, do you, do you see a similar trend? Because I ran out of trades in round 18 with six rounds to go, which is the earliest I've ever run out. And I'm not sure whether that's a, a product of just bad luck or whether I've been a little bit... Um, Going to the other end of the spectrum compared to last year where I held a lot more trades um, and I've overcorrected in 2023. So I'd love to know what the, the players that left your side. Um, yeah, I had like six out in the first seven rounds. And then after that, outside of Oliver, it's been pretty cruisy. Um, but that's mostly because I ran out of trades, so I couldn't get rid of all of the guys that were injured. But I think it's I started really hot this year um, and... Was in what in after round six, I was into 1600th, um, which usually sets you up for a good season. But it was in those weeks, I had five premium outs or injuries and was still managing the whole rank. And then it was just overwhelming. Once, once people started boosting around six and seven, people were boosting to get a premium ahead of me, and I was boosting to get try and up maintain my upgrade cadence while also sideways trading my injured players. Um, and then once I ran out of boosts, it was just... I'd say it's all downhill from there, but it's, I've not moved that much. Jeez, yeah. my history is crazy. Like yeah. from round five to round 20, which is essentially the entire season, I have been within a 1,500... I've been within 1,500 spots for the yeah, entire, wow. for, 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 you know, 15 odd weeks. So just a middling side, very average. But yeah, I, I can't really do anything different because I trade out injured players. The yeah. only the only player, there was only two two players that I traded out that weren't injuries that were premiums. One being Jack Steele in round 15, which I regret massively because I copped a donut. So that was just a bad idea. And... I did trade into Ryan, and Ryan's been good, so I have felt mm. okay about that. But um, I did cop a donut, and then Steel's been good, so that was not worth it. That was just me losing my cool, I think, an emotional-based trade. And the other one was in round three, I traded out wits to Darcy Cameron um, so that I could take advantage of the DPP of Darcy Cameron and him 
you know, uh, providing really good value. Um, but also I didn't have English and, I, and he looked to be essentially the best player in the game. And I was like, well, I don't have the best player in the game. This is going to cause me trouble later. If I get Darcy Cameron, it opens up the possibility that I can still get English. So it was kind of a two for one sort of deal. Um, I mean, Wits got injured anyway, but I traded into Cameron's injury in round yeah, three. I did as well. So then he was out. So um, yeah, basically traded him in and then essentially had to trade him out um, straight away to English, which I guess completed the full circle. But yeah, and then unfortunately, yeah, the whole, the Doherty into Took Miller story that everyone knows who have spoken about too many times. And that was, that was pretty much game over after that point in time. But yeah. Oh, that's right. I would you boosted into Took and then out of Took, didn't you? Yeah, so I used up all my boosts, boosting. I boosted um, wits, wits out, even though I pretty much nailed the starting team this year, but I boosted Wits out to Darcy Cameron, who got injured. Then I was forced to boost him out. Then um, Doherty out. Then I boosted in Took Miller, and then I had to boost out Took Miller. <laughs> yeah. So all the boosts were gone really early. Uh, just terrible, truly. Just, yeah, miserable. But, Cheezer, looking back on your trade history, is there any lessons that you learned from yeah. your trades this year that you would take into to next year? Yeah, so I, I counted them up, like including some of the ones like Hopper and stuff that were, were not keepers but guys that were literally planning to be like very last Why don't you ignore type. those guys? Uh, well, if I, if I, ignoring Hopper, I just wanted to make it larger. Um, so ignoring yeah, Hopper, I have 10, 10, 10 premiums that left left the side. Is that um, including Briggs? That's including Briggs, yeah. Okay, yeah. Which, you know, like when 20% of the top 1K are holding him as their R2, like I think that's yeah. a, fair, a, a fair assessment <laughs> to make. Um, I just, I feel like because I had such a poor year, right? So in round five, I was ranked 29,800. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And over the next, I want to say seven weeks, I just maxed out every single trade that I could do. Um, and that very quickly got me into the top uh, uh, 1,000 by round 10. 
1042, um, which coincidentally was the highest rank until this week. Um, I had seven, uh, seven in the first nine rounds premiums that left my side for, for various suspensions, injuries, corrections, whatever, um, which I think also fueled the fire of I need to do whatever I can to catch up. Um, I probably burnt through I, 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 The way I'm thinking about it is like um, the guy that's running a running race and goes half a lap ahead with like still a lap to go and then everyone chases him down sort of situation. I just I went a little bit harder than I probably needed to. Like I'm sitting with zero trades right now, which I think is fine with some of the cover that I've got unless things go awry in the next couple of weeks. Um, but in hindsight, I probably could have held a trade here or there, made a little bit more cash and been a little bit more patient. Um, and the other thing, so that, that's the first thing I picked up on. The second thing that I had was I found that I was a little bit stubborn and a little bit hesitant to um, sort of go backwards on my gut feeling. So a lot of the advice that you and I give over the years has been, you know, trust your gut, your gut is usually right. And it usually is. But in the times that it, it's wrong, it can really, really cost you. And it took me until round seven to say, hey, geez, Jack Zeeble's playing okay. Maybe I should get him in my team. And I bought him for $470,000. Um, yeah. And that's one that stands out to me like, surely he must have been, like the week before I spent 560 to get Parrish. And I, that was sort of at, at the part of the season when I was ranked uh, eleven thousand at the time. That was the first first time I'd been higher than twenty nine k, and I think I not had not so much given up, but been like, oh, I'm just going to get one of my one of the guys I like. And in hindsight, if I had sort of flipped that, perhaps the next week I wouldn't have had ended up getting Parish. I wouldn't have had him two weeks later when he got injured. I would have had Zebel for another week when he was going bonkers. And I'm happy to be one top one k now, but it's sort of like a. I lost my focus and maybe I could be top 500 or top 400 if I had sort of stuck to the plan a little bit more as opposed to sort of leaning back and be like, ah, oh, let's just have fun with it. Zeeble's going to fall off a cliff. He's not, he's not the real deal. Oh, wait, he's 500K, maybe he is. They're, they're probably the two things that I'm looking at my trade history going. I probably need to go into next year being cognizant of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the season with the extra rounds, like it is a long season and we can just kind of pick and choose the best players, make our teams really good so that after the bye, we can really capitalize on the final, you know, 10 odd weeks Yeah. so that we can just have these monster, you know, 2,700 plus scores all the way on the run home and just barnstorm home. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's a winning strategy, but I think you can definitely do that to finish top 1K with ease. Um, so I think that's what a lot of people end up doing. But I, I, don't, I don't think that's how you win the game. But I think that's how you finish really well. Yeah. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think I <clears throat> was I was playing the win, so I was obviously going too hard. But there's some things that you need to remember is that like, First couple rounds really is a small sample size. Like you're trading into players that may have played, you know, only a handful of games. And a good example of that is Walsh looks really good 
after his second game back. I think he scored like 130. Mm. At that stage, all these like high running plays, the contested guys weren't scoring well. Um, it was all about like players that get a lot of touches, like accumulator type scoring really well, like Goulden and, and um, Dacos and all, all those guys were like dominating. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just pay 610K for Walsh. And I like him as well. After And that was after the, the Took Miller disaster. So trading Miller to, to Walsh, when it's really only a two-game sample size, like that's just such a massive mistake. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if you had, if I had waited probably even one more week, I probably would have seen Libba ton up for seven straight weeks and being like, oh, I probably should get Libba, you know. Um, I think just being a bit more patient in choosing which premiums to get and making sure it's the right person because there's there's players even now, I think we were talking about in like round 11 and 12, like I was huge on Houston um, and really wanted to get him in, but I'd already filled my back line. And yeah. I was like, well... I guess I can't get him now, which if I'm thinking about my, I guess, opt- optimal team, it probably, given how the midfielders have turned out this year, it probably does have, you know, a Luke Ryan extra as an extra defender or Dan Houston as an extra defender and, you know, you swing your, your Dawson or someone into your midfield. Um, and if I just had waited one extra week at one stage, I probably would have figured out that I was going to be because I, I realized I was in like trade trouble and was going to end up needing to have an extra defender in my side. I think I figured it out the week after I didn't get Houston yeah. um, when I could have. Like I was just one week behind. And ironically, I have eight defenders right now because I got Doherty um, as well as Luke Ryan <laughs> extra yeah, yeah. on top of my already completed team. Yeah. Um, so it's always just, yeah, that I think I just went one week too early on so many different players throughout the entire season. Um, yeah, just having that extra sample size. I think I know it's a race at, at first to like try and upgrade your team as quickly as possible to get the points on the board. But I don't know if you necessarily – it's a gamble. Like instead of being 100% sure with your selection, you end up being like 90% sure. And then that that tallies up. You know, you do it five rounds in a row where you're 90% sure, 90% sure, 90% sure, 90% sure. One of those is statistically like likely to miss eventually, yeah. right? If you get if yep. you keep doing it. Whereas if you were just one week delayed, you know, you could be 100% sure on all of your picks yeah. and end up in a much safer space. And it, that one could, pick can derail your whole year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's something that we talk about in, in terms of risk stacking, that any time that you're taking the same sort of risk, repeatedly at some point you're basically mathematically guaranteed to be wrong you know what i mean so um the i i, I do really I, I like that reflection because I, it was something that we sort of made fun of like ah pistol was going to get him before he plays a game uh, yeah this, i did that rookie. too the rookies yeah and and you know in 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 hindsight how good is just one game or two games worth of data you know what i mean like um to there's so many sliding or sliding doors or whatever they call it, like moments that if I'd like, if we go back to the start of the year, starting Doherty over Dawson and starting Laird over Clary, I like going back to that exact moment. I'm sure that I would be in a very similar situation, but um, though that that simple, those two little moves are 
probably something that's going to influence our trades and our moves further down the line as we've started slower compared to the rest and sort of incentivize this this rush of blood and and constant aggressive trading moments um whereas like when you're sitting uh, leading the pack sometimes you can take a a, a moment where you don't ha- you don't get that rush of blood you don't get uh, I've got to take a chance on this guy or I've got to go a week early on this guy. Um, and when you're chasing the pack, that, that's when those sort of mistakes can you, – you can you sort of had your judgment clouded by the benefit of doing something rather than maybe just waiting and being patient when you're already behind. I, I find – personally for me, I find that really hard as evidenced by my trading this year. Yeah, I think JD um, from Fantasy Footy Take – tweeted something that, that you're talking about. He pretty much you said... always muck it up. <clears throat> All right, keep going. Did, did I say it wrong? Fantasy Take TV. Fantasy Take TV, whatever it is. My apologies. Um, <laughs> he said that it's much easier to coach a good team. Yeah, like yeah. It's, oh, it is yeah. much easier. Like you, you have less options. So yep. even if you just go with the template every week and you can afford the like template move every week, like it's much more straightforward and you don't have this like mental anguish as well, like impacting your decisions. You don't have these extra biases going in where you're like, well, what if I do this? I can try and catch everybody in front. Like it's it's much more formulaic when you're at the top and you just ride the, the wave. Like yeah. once you're ahead, you just, it's easy to stay ahead. So it's, it's easier to be a better coach. Yeah. Um, like it's easier to coach a, a good team than it is to, to coach a bad team and try and turn that around. Like that is much more difficult. So you got to get into that, you got to get into that situation in the first place and you can just ride it out. But it, yeah. it is definitely makes it as long as, you know, there's always an element of luck, but as long as you get into that situation, um, it's relatively smooth sailing. But I do like what you were saying about the rookies because I went early on one too many rookies until it burned me with Drury yeah. um, from North Melbourne. And it is interesting because this year, I think we've seen that because of a sub rule, a lot of really good players fell down to like the 200K range. Yeah. And, you know, Winhage has been good lately. Flanders has been unbelievable. George Hewitt was good, is good value. I mean, I would have said Fife, but I think there's, the, these guys have turned out much better than Fife. Um, maybe the rookies that we get, they don't need to be up, you know, 123K. Maybe yeah. we can afford to wait and pick them up at 160K or 170K every time just yep. for that extra data point to see if they're going to make money, to see if they're going to hold in the spot, to see if they're good. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to wait the extra week. Like if you're convinced they've had three good games, you're like, okay, sure. But if you're unsure, maybe the right thing to do is just wait one more week. I know you don't get that instant money, but you also don't get stuck with a dead rookie who might not play again for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, and I think that is something that I'll take into the season, knowing that the cash gen will never, because of the sub rule, the cash gen never stops entirely. Like there's always an option that's been the sub a couple of times and you can jump on and, you know, roles change, players get injured, they get their opportunities again and you're able to get these like really good value picks towards the end of the year to make your money. Um, and they also might be better throughout the buys. So a couple of factors, I think, mm. there, Chizo. Yeah, yeah, and I've just I've come up with the third thing that I'm probably going to learn okay. from um, for for next season. I just want you to have a guess. Like yeah. I've got a, I've got a fully fit playing side of 22 premiums, um, 
at like that I would call genuine premiums. I want you to guess the value of my playing bench. I'm pretty sure you have Ashcroft still, don't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, am in, I am nefariously including Ashcroft in this figure because, you know, he was he was genuinely planned into my team as my playing M9. But have a, have a guess at what, what valuation I have on my, my bench in terms of playing playing bench cover. Uh, for taking a stab at it, four players, no, probably three players, and we'll say... Ashcroft is the only 800, good one. Pardon? Ashcroft's the only good one, put it that way. Yeah, he's like 530K. I'm going to say the others are like 250. So let's say just 1.1 million. That's pretty good. It's $1.3 million. Wow. Wow. That's high. Yeah. So, like, it, to your point that cash is always going to present itself in, in different scenarios, and we can't have predicted the success of Briggs. That is so – I can't remember some, like, a situation presenting itself so perfectly like that in the past um, where you can get a 500K trade-out for a summer that's, like, 200K or 250, whatever it was. But I've got $1.29 million in bench cover. Um, and that's in, that's including Marek, Ashcroft, Chesser, and Mitchell. And yeah, a couple of those are, are dodgy, but um, Marek is averaging solid fifties every week, which is really all you need at, 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 as bench cover. Mitchell, until Sicily come back, was a solid seventy plus. Ashcroft was going crazy numbers, and and Chesser was like a backup M nine. I really just got him for the DPP, but just like you said, I picked him up at like one hundred and seventy because I knew he was going to play. So. I think, well, like one of the strategies that I deliberately chose this year because I was going so hard on the trades, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm probably going to run out. Why don't I just go cheap on some of my upgrades on the field to keep cash available to, to hold some bench players? If I, if I shave off 50K here, shave off 50K there, suddenly I'm going to be able to keep a hold of Ashcroft and Mitchell instead of upgrading them. Um, in hindsight, I probably could have used that money in better like someone like George Hewitt was going to show up someone like Mills was going to show up that could be an M9 as opposed to cutting corners in terms of my upgrades like um yeah I, I I've lucked into a Jack Steele that's got a three round average of like 120 or whatever it is um because I chose to keep him as like my M8 M9 with Ashcroft and and not upgrade him because I was cutting corners and I've I purely and luckily en- like ended up in a scenario where he's come good when everyone else was was trying to move him on. So um, I, I think I'm probably going to be a little bit more happy to pay up for the guys. I turned down Butters. I turned down Liberatory. I, I, Ritori, why did I say it like that? <laughs> and, and I turned down Andy Brayshaw at the time because they were all 600K plus. The only guy that I paid up for in my upgrade cadence was Dawson when he got down to 570. Even I didn't, I didn't cough up for him. Um, and Petrarca, I think I picked up at, at, at 640. They're the only two guys, and I've ended up with so much more money on the bench than um, is like when you add it up, it's probably a bit too much. And I'm playing teams that, that have like Liberatore on field instead of Steel in my head to heads. I'm like, Damn, I wish I kind of put a bit more money on the field, and and it is an opportunity cost that I've got to be aware of. It's really interesting. It's very interesting. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a balance 
that needs to be achieved um, next year. But it certainly goes into what JB and I were talking about last week where we said we're, we're probably going to plan our teams from the get-go to try and get 23 premiums because I think the days of 22 premiums are dead. And getting that extra premium, that might mean your last two premiums are a little bit weaker just so that you can rotate them or have that extra cover flexibility for all these one-week injuries or one-week suspensions. Um, and I think it's all linked and it's all connected. Um, but yeah, Cheezer, the last thing I was going to touch on was that this year, if you had to guess without looking, how many pure f- midfielders do you think are going above 110? How many pure, or not pure, how many just defenders do you think are going above 110? I'm going to say six defenders and six midfielders. That was a pretty good guess. It was it? Right. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty good. Ah. Lockie Neal is going one eleven point nine, and yep. that's that's eight. Um, and Caleb Sorong, sorry, is one ten as well. So it's nine midfielders going above one ten, and then you have Houston. If you want to round him up from his one nine over one nine and a half <laughs> um, <laughs> to one ten, you got six of them. But it's uh, you know. Doherty's in some seriously good form at the moment. I know he's uh, been his average is a bit lower because of uh, that early season form and injury, but there's a real strong um, backline that we haven't seen in, in a while, and it's just making me think if there's there's almost as many good defenders as there are midfielders, and it might be something we need to keep in mind, um, you know, next year if. if I mean, all of them won't get defensive status, but it's just something to keep in mind that maybe if the game's changing a little, not not like physically how the game's changing, but sometimes it's worth exploring that maybe having eight midfielders and no DPPs as your midfielders might not be the best way yeah. forward, which we just kind of assumed it would be because you get the your highest, I guess, uh, maximum potential score that way, but it might not be best for just like team balance and flexibility, especially with these one-week injuries and being able to get the best cover. Um, some of the flexibility might be important, but just some sort of things that I'm already thinking about. Um, but I guess every season's different, but thought it was interesting, Cheezer. No, I absolutely agree. Um, and at, at, to your point, I literally have a defense mid in my midfield as my finished mid. I've got seven... Seven defenders in my side. Yeah. Um, and then on the top end, we really don't have that many 120-plus players this year. You know what I mean? Like no. You, it's you've worse, got isn't it? English, Bont, uh, Oliver, but he's like he's been missing a lot. Uh, Dunkley, Petrarca, Dacos. So we've got six. Six 120-plus players. Players and a couple of them are really like just scraping in, like Petrarca and Dacos. Um, it feels like the the reliant, like I think English English and Bont have probably been for me the two the two people that have like the two players that have separated themselves from the remainder of the competition that you can VC or see them in any given week and be reasonably comfortable that. Um, like I've had basically my sleep at night factor with my C's and VCs this year have just been great. Like I, I'm I have just basically locked in 
120 every single week for the entire year. Maybe one one week here and there where things went bad. I think I got a, a Laird 99 or something like that. But I don't I don't really recall having a smattering of options that I can I've got six or seven guys in my team that any given week is going to pop out of 150. Like I I just remember in previous years we were chasing VCs, if that makes sense. Like we were we were doing a lot more game day matchup and averages versus this opposition and and playing at this ground versus these. And this year it just feels like it feels like the the it's very formulaic this year because a lot of the guys that we previously had as like VC options are sort of like one ten flat or one fifteen. You know, someone like a Laird, for example. It's like you, yeah, you, you can't you really can't trust which week you're going to get him. Yeah, it's it's funny because there's three Bulldogs players in the top seven. Yeah, right. So you can't VC and see them because they play for the same team. And there's yeah. two Mel- Melbourne players as well, in Petrarca and Oliver. So that's five of the top seven, and they play for two teams. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't leave many options for you to see a VC weekly. Yeah, yeah, and I, agree. I still managed to mess up my captaincy. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think there's uh, there are. I wouldn't necessarily say that I am better than many coaches out there. I think I just over the long over the the course of the season, I think that the 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 better decisions over time, sort of like on average, produce a better result at the end of the day. Um, whereas I actually find that there's there's probably coaches out there that tend to have like a lot better intuition than I do, and will jump on players players earlier and and almost like they can see things happening ahead of time. Um, like there, there's always particular names that are in the top 100 coaches every single year, and I just I'm just finding myself that like. I need everything to line up perfectly and to make good decisions for 16 weeks consecutively to be like, oh, I've just made it to the top 1K. <laughs> and it's like yeah. I, I sort of do this, not professionally, but like th- this is a hobby of, and a passion of mine that I am so deeply invested in and I really haven't had that many successful years or like years that I, I, I think are like uber successful. Fair enough. I don't have any comments, Pachito. <laughs> yeah. No, just in reflection of things that I can get better, whatever I'm doing, um, there's there's room for improvement. I think everyone should try not to be blind to their own biases and, and blind spots that they have that they can find improvement from if they want to get better at this game. Yeah. Well, that's a nice way to, to summarize the end unless you had another point, Chizo. No, pretty much. That's uh, great. Uh, uh, actually, one last question. Is your, um, okay. is your preset... Um, like plan next year to ignore 22 premiums and try and get more than that? As in what I was saying before about like in keeping in mind is getting 23 premiums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's your, your dead set. Like yeah, you, you're no, going I'm in planning for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think so when you're doing your seen... final upgrades and you're like, well, I can't get that guy because I need to remember I need to get a 23rd. Yeah, unless, look... If you get Flanders as cover or a Flanders equivalent at the end of the year, you're laughing. 
Yeah. You've got a guy that's the five round average of 100 plus as your, your cover with DPP. Like that's that's ultimate best case scenario. I mean, if I can do that, sure, that would be fantastic. But I think ideally if I could have pushed the Sheasel to a, um, you know, D7 or, or F7 yeah. and have that flexibility, he comes on for any one of my, my Walsh injuries, I'm, then I can hold Walsh, you know, Tom Green, yeah. maybe you can hold Tom Green. Just gives you that. It's it, it saves you trades because you can hold these guys for these one or two week injuries and then you get them back. Um, yeah. And I think you're better off in the long run. And now with more trades, we probably will have that cash generation to be able to. Well, well it's a combo of more trades and the sub rule, which yeah. lowers some prices. I know it, it caps some of the rookie prices, but a lot of the good rookies weren't weren't subs ever anyway. I think it only ruined what Dylan Williams from Port Adelaide. That yeah. was the only rookie that really stopped us. You know, it, the, the sub rule really stopped us from making an extra 250K there. Yeah. Um, every other one's kind of worked out, I think, in our, in our benefit. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my plan moving forward from now on because that's how the game is played. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Awesome. I look Agreed. forward to talking about it more in the preseason. <laughs> What's that? 30 uh, podcasts in 30 days? I know you're excited for that, Pistol. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening to uh, the uh, wrap-up of Round 20, getting towards the end of the year. I hope you're still enjoying it. And uh, even though you might not have any trades left, I hope you're still sticking with us and listening to the podcast and uh, and even just the footy chat that we get going as well. Pistol, thanks for sitting down with me. Everyone, we'll catch you all in the next episode of the Dr. Super Coach Podcast. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.